0: is presented in part by Bridgestone. We're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. This is Popular Technology Radio, your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Now, here's your host.
1: Hey, welcome everyone to this edition of Popular Technology Radio. I'm Mike Etchart. Thanks for joining us today. We are happy to have you here over this kind of It's not really a long 4th of July weekend. it's kind of a weird placing of 4th of July on Thursday. So we today are going to talk about the departure of Johnny Ive from Apple, and it's departure with an asterisk. He's not really leaving in the strictest sense. He's actually leaving the company, but starting his own company, and then that company, his first client, of course, is Apple. So he's not really leaving like some people leave. But Johnny Ive, if you don't know, he is the very famous designer for Apple products. And I have been an Apple user for a very long time. My first computer was an Apple back in 1991. Yes, it is, I had a Performa 475. And that was kind of a boring looking computer. And if you're an Apple fan as I am, you tend to forget that in the early to mid 90s, Apple was really doing terrible. They were not a very popular company. They were still the easiest thing to use, in my mind, if you were a computer user. But they were not, as a company, doing very well at all. They had a very small and devoted fan base. And you may know that at one point, Steve Jobs was fired from Apple. And he did come back in the late 90s. And there was a designer there named Johnny Ive who started before he came back. And they kind of recognized each other as similar thinkers. And Johnny became the guy who actually put to paper many of Steve's ideas and offered other ideas of his own. And it created the juggernaut that is Apple today. Uh, It really started with the first iMac. If you remember the iMac, it kind of had a big bubble back and they they came in. The really cool colors like Bondi Blue, I think it was. And, and I had a purple first-generation iMac. And that was Steve Jobs' first big computer product when he came back. And the iMac was a, just a wonderful success. And from there, they went on to the iPod. And then, of course, the iPhone the macbooks and the macbook pros and all of the ipads and everything that we now recognize as cool designs and revolutionary designs and designs that are really still not copied isn't quite the right word but it's not the wrong word either they let's say we influenced will be generous and say influence every other product in that marketplace so whether when you buy an uh A a smartphone right now, whether it's an Android or or any other thing, its design goes right back to the iPhone, the Apple product. And, of course, all the digital music players before the iPhone, everything kind of came and was very influenced by the iPod. And so Johnny Ive and Steve Jobs together created so many of the designs that are now just ubiquitous across all consumer electronic products. A, A thing happened to me last week where I was actually at a school and out of the corner of my eye, I saw some students working on computers. And I thought, oh, look, they have MacBook Pros. How interesting. You don't see MacBook Pros a lot in high schools. So I walked up to the computers thinking they were MacBook Pros. When I looked closely, oh my gosh, they were not MacBook Pros. They were HP computers, but very similar to MacBooks. And the point being that every computer, every mobile phone, smartphone is influenced by Apple design. And the, the, the Apple products are designed by Johnny Ives. So it's a good time to kind of look back on all the, all the influence and the things that Apple has done in terms of design that have really changed this industry of consumer electronics. So we're going to talk about that today. My good friend Todd Metlin will be joining us. He is an award-winning product designer. And we're going to talk about the influence of Apple and Johnny Ive over the last 20 plus years as he kind of changes his relationship with Apple a very little bit. But it is changing indeed. And so it's It'll be fun to look back and see the influence he has had on popular culture and design in this world of consumer electronics. So that is what we are talking about today. So I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got more talking about the departure of Johnny Ive and product design in general. And you are listening to Popular Technology Radio.
0: back to Pop Tech Radio. Now, here's your host. Well,
1: hey, welcome back. It is Pop Tech Radio. I am Mike Etchart, and boy, am I excited to have my next guest on. He is the, an award-winning product designer. He's also a design consultant, longtime friend, and longtime friend of the show and other shows before that. He is Todd Metlin. Todd, how are you doing today? I'm doing great,
3: Mike. Thanks for having me on today.
1: <laughs> it's always a pleasure to have you on. So uh, we are talking today about Johnny Ive, and you know, it is separate from before we even talk about the stuff he he's done. Has there been anybody in this field that has made the general public aware of product and industrial design like Johnny Ive?
3: Honestly, I don't think so. Um, I think he had the good fortune of being truly in the right place at the right time. And had such. A, and by that, I mean that his vision of design aligned perfectly with Steve Jobs and that they saw the world the same way and the design and products and the whole way that the product family would roll out for Apple, they were completely in sync. And so, you know, using that as a platform, he was able to build um, a family of products that was incredibly cohesive from a design standpoint. They're unmistakable. You see an Apple product, you know it's an Apple product from across the room. You don't need to be told. Um, and I think really that product line did elevate design for products and then that translated into automobiles and all sorts of things that, that ended up getting more of a design than they normally would have in the past well,
1: well and it seems like in a typical environment where let's say that there are it's a company that makes whatever they make you know you've got the designer but then you've got sort of a committee that that will look it over and hash amongst themselves and make suggestions yada yada in this case it was really a committee of two wasn't it it probably streamlined in a way that rarely happens at a company
3: yeah well what ends up happening is the, the basic culture of a, of a company shines through the product development so you'll get companies that are really engineering focused and that is their bread and butter and that's what their dna is and so everything that they design kind of comes from that it's an engineering marvel but it might be ugly as hell because engineers never think in beautiful terms apple had a core premise that they were going to put design first design was going to be first and foremost in in their expression of the product. Everything else went for, not to say that, you know, things were running independent of design. They were just, every element, whether it was the operating system, the icons, everything was, was an ex, extension of that design philosophy. So because they prioritized, it made them iconic.
1: Well, it's rare that you see that prioritization of beauty like that, right? And beauty expressed in something mechanical. Well, well maybe that's not so uncommon, but it's rare that you see so who basically someone who has the rope who's allowed to do all that stuff like that.
3: Exactly, right. I mean, the the nearest parallel would be the automotive industry, but of course that's one that's plagued with design by committee issues. Um, and they're also hamstrung by all sorts of things that there's nothing they can do about the, the height of a bumper. Um, I mean, these are department of transportation regulations. So the bumper has to be a certain height. It has to stick out a certain amount from the front. The wheels have to be a certain height off the ground from, you know, all these kinds of things they are stuck with no matter what. And Apple had no rules. And so they could, it was all blue sky. It was whatever they were going to decide to do was what we all got. And that's what made them really unique.
1: Well, and as we will talk about further, people forget that Apple really are rarely first in a product category, right? It's, they often enter a category that exists, but then they refine it, and then they really kind of show how it should be.
3: Right. A, a company that did a similar thing was always Bang & Olufsen. Um, it took them, uh, you may remember, their CD player that came out, you know, like four years after CDs died. Yes. And they were waiting for the for the for the technology to, you know, mature before they wanted to jump in with their version of it. Apple's never been quite that bad, but you're right. They they don't necessarily invent what it is that's happening. They're just perfecting it and paying attention to every single detail. When you talk about the devil is in the details, they
1: really agonize over the details, don't they?
3: They do. It's one of the things that plagues you with a very simplistic. I shouldn't use the word simplistic, but a, a clean and, and pure and simple design, um, is that it's deceiving. You have to agonize over that form over and over and over again to get it to look right and look elegant. Um, it reminds me of you know a, a jazz drummer that I was talking to who was, who was quoting, I think it was Dizzy Gillespie, about how keeping time on a slow song was you had to be able to to keep time and be able to eat a ham sandwich in between beats. (laughs) And and if you couldn't do that, you were off. And that was it. And that level of perfection is hard to attain in a simple product. It is. And on that note, let's let's break for a ham sandwich, Todd. This is Pop Tech Radio. We'll be right back.
0: us on Twitter and Facebook at pop tech radio stay right there we'll be right back with more popular technology radio
2: Brembo has been stopping champions on the track as well as drivers like you and me on the street for over 50 years whether it's UV-coated brake discs, low-dust premium ceramic brake pads, or high-temperature brake fluid, BremboStoreUSA.com is the place to go to buy genuine Brembo OE-equivalent replacement brake components. Go to BremboStoreUSA.com to help you achieve that 60-0 to zero braking performance you deserve and expect from Brembo. Brembo, the choice of champions and consumers for over 50 years.
0: Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. Now, here's your host. Hey,
1: welcome back. It is Pop Tech Radio. Mike Etchart, my good friend, product designer, and, of course, design consultant, Todd Netlin. He uh, has worked over the years at BMW, at Nokia. And we are talking the design. We are talking the departure. Well, the sort of departure. He's, he's actually just starting a, a company, but he's actually stepping out of Apple. Um, and, you know, Todd, this whole thing started back in the day with the first iMac
3: what exemplifies an Apple design in your mind well it's the pure simplicity um, elegant simplicity of the design it's a very crisp design philosophy that celebrates form over function so it's a very honest design expression also which is something I really appreciate and embrace I own a lot of Apple products that pure simple form that's there's no gingerbread. There's nothing that's a design feature that isn't actually doing something for you. So from that standpoint, it's extremely honest. There's nope. no go-faster shapes or stripes or vents or other things doing absolutely nothing other than a decorative function, pure and simple.
1: And what strikes me about Apple is the continue refinement. They are continually striving to get just smoother and smaller and more elegant and they don't seem to sit back on their laurels and relax. It seems like kind of a constant battle to make it even cooler.
3: Right. And the unfortunate truth is I think they a little bit painted themselves into a corner. Actually, a lot, uh, especially when you start to look at iPhone. Because the truth is, you know, you're kind of at the limits of the form factor itself. Right. If you get it bigger, it's a phablet. If you get it smaller, it's... And really no longer a phone. You can't get your fingers on it. So if you're going to hold it in your hand and hold it up to your head and talk into it, you've got some basic geometry. Of course, you can't really necessarily go any thinner. You remember what happened with the iPhone 5 where people were sitting on it and bending it? <laughs> um, and so where are you going from here? The iPhone is actually the one product line, one product category that I think is... A dead end, honestly, Um, and it's the one that I'm the least fan of. Love the operating system and everything else, but the design philosophy of form follows function. The wheels fall off the design bus when you have to start to put, you know, these big giant covers all over to protect this fragile design. Mm -hmm. Literally, the last time I got my most recent iPhone, I didn't even walk out of the store without some aftermarket assemblage of parts all over it to protect this investment well yeah. you know that's no longer celebrating a great design i'm now my my entire expression to the world of my phone choice is is a 30 dollar rubber cover made in china <laughs> and right. and that's terrible i mean imagine the outrage I and mean, people for whatever reason don't have an outrage about it but imagine if, if you immediately had to cover up your macbook pro in the same way, or any of the other products. So I think they have a lot more design latitude left in these other products, which makes it wonderful fun, where, whether it's the Air or the iPad's kind of at a dead end too for the same reasons as iPhone. But certainly with the Mac and MacBook, they still have room to shrink.
1: You know, and if we talk about the iPhone, which is fascinating. And, you know, I went from a Blackberry to a Trio, if you remember the, the old trios, mm-hmm. and I went to an iPhone. And I still, to this day, would prefer a tactile keyboard. Now, I will say the tactile keyboards got worse. You know, BlackBerry's first one was great. Then it wasn't so great. And then I had a Trio. And that was okay. And then Steve Jobs famously said, I, you know, I don't, I don't want a keyboard on there. And, and maybe Johnny Ive didn't want it either. But that, let's say two guys, that basically has carried over now into almost every smartphone that is out there, the notion that no keyboard. And right. I can't think of another decision by just a couple of people that has completely transformed that entire product category. Whether you've got an Android phone or an iPhone or whatever, nobody really has a keyboard anymore. And I hate that. <laughs> I really, I'd really, still like to have a keyboard because I still think the clunkiest thing on an iPhone is basically typing on the screen.
3: Right. Well, I think, you know, my uh, friend Frank Nuovo, who was the uh, chief designer for Nokia um, and really the father of the modern mobile phone. He was the guy who made it into something fashionable and interesting. This is, you know, go back to the days when this was a suitcase with a curly cord um, or the, the brick, which I know you still use. I do. Uh, because I d- they're good. And plus you can you can use it as a barbecue tool um, when needed. <laughs> but, you know, it was that, and then suddenly, you know, he designed the, the 252, the iconic uh, Nokia phone with the changeable covers and all this. And he made it into a fashion device. Now, you know, having worked directly with Frank on several projects, um, his hands were really tied by the board of Nokia. He w- was desperate to do things like a flip phone or other things. Nokia, in their infinite wisdom, felt that the design philosophy of their brand was supposed to be a candy bar phone. That was it. Here's where Apple was able to sidestep all of that: was that Steve and 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 Johnny were able to basically. They, they they could change the entire course of the company together that they could have a conversation and decide this is what we think is really cool and that was it it was happening um unlike what happened to other design firms and this is i guess goes back to that design by committee problem sometimes the committee's not really qualified or capable of making good design decisions uh, in the interest of the the future of the company but for sure These guys changed the world with this evolution of the mobile phone.
1: Indeed. And on that note we gotta take a break. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio with my good friend Todd Metlin and we are coming right back.
0: Dodge Performance Days, where that new car smell gets replaced by the scent of burned rubber. With Dodge Charger and its available best-in-class 485 horsepower, Dodge Challenger Hellcat Redeye with up to 797 horsepower and 707-pound feet of torque. And the powerful seven-passenger Dodge Durango. Hurry in for great deals now at Dodge Performance Days. Ward's large regular car vehicle segment. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA-US
2: LLC.
1: everyone it is pop tech radio i am mike etchard i've got my good friend todd metlin he's an award winning product designer and a design consultant and todd we're gonna have to tell the story of airplane mode which you told me today and i didn't even if you had told me that before i'd completely forgotten but talk about airplane mode because you mentioned that that ultimately that name came from you but you never worked at apple
3: No, that's right. And this, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great story. I I was working for Nokia at the time. Um, this would have been the late nineties and we were doing the Vertu, um, luxury mobile phone, V E R T U for anybody who doesn't know it. Um, the, the famous $30,000 cell phone. And we, uh, we were thinking about features and we were thinking about lifestyle choices for the you know, the people that are gonna be buying such a device, how do they live and what are what kinds of things are interesting to them? So we had a concierge button where you could instantly talk to someone who'd get you concert tickets or that kind of thing. And and I mentioned in a design meeting it was a very closely knit design group, that I felt like these people would want to get on an airplane and be able to still use the phone for typing out text messages or emails or what have you. And then when you land, turn everything back on and everything sends. And I said, you know, we checked in with the engineers. They're like, yeah, I mean, it's theoretically totally possible. Um, So I continued on saying, you know, we we could call it airplane mode. And everybody thought it was marvelous, including the guy that I directly reported to. Um, So here I walked out of the meeting thinking I had a a wonderful success on my hands. Um, And about a week and a half later, uh, the guy I was reporting to, announced he was leaving Nokia. And, of course, you know, in a design group uh, like this, you you don't give two weeks' notice. As soon as you say you're leaving, you're immediately escorted out by um, security, and you can't take anything, especially photographs, or God knows what you might want to take. So they escort him out of the building, and everybody's panicked and says, well, what happened to the guy? Oh, well, he went to go work for Apple. And we all looked at each other like, Apple? What? why apple of all things well about uh, less than a year later the first iphone came out wow and then it all made sense why a guy would leave nokia now it could just be a marvelous coincidence that all of this and and i certainly it's not worth ruining anybody's reputation to to suggest for a second that this idea was taken but i always think it's kind of funny and i uh you know, it makes a great story for the person sitting next to me on the <laughs> airplane when I tell them.
1: You know. It's it's an airplane mode for crying out loud. Well, <laughs> it, it, you know, bringing up Nokia, you know, and we see this so many times. And I mentioned BlackBerry, you know, in the, in the earlier about, you know, it was BlackBerry's to lose, and they lost it, and yeah. it was Nokia's to lose. And they lost it. Nokia phones, I mean, that was, I think that was my first cellular phone or, or second or third. They were everywhere. They were ubiquitous as mobile phones pre smartphone. Yes. And then, well,
3: all, yeah, no, I think all of them have got, um, including Apple, have this to worry about is that at a basic core level, and this always became a shock. This was a shock to the folks at Nokia. At a core level, consumers have absolutely no brand loyalty. None. And Nokia's philosophy, their thinking was, you love your phone, and you love us as a result. And you've bought a phone, now you're happy with it. Your next one, of course, is going to be a Nokia phone. What they didn't realize was that consumers don't care. They're going to go into their carrier and say, I wanna, you know, renew my plan, and they say, Great, take a choice of any of these phones. And they pick one that they like the color of or they like the features of, independent of the brand. And I think that Apple is already starting to feel a lot of this because of, you know, this thing is the iPhone has been rendered down to its simplest possible form. It's easy now to to emulate, that uh, you know, whether it be a Samsung or an LG, you can get everything that's in an iPhone and more sometimes um, with another brand. And consumers are perfectly happy to switch over. And I know this goes through people's minds over there that how do you hold on to the excitement? Remember when there used to be lines around the block for days when the new iPhone was coming out? Now, hardly anything happens.
1: Yeah. Well, and uh, are we, you know, as as a musician and, and a keyboard player, I used to see this in, uh, like, let's say in the 90s, you know, th- a new thing would come out. And it was dramatically different and better than the previous thing, because right. the technology was was going was <coughs> leapfrogging itself. And, and every couple of years, there'd be some wild new thing. And that was kind of the way it was with the iPhone. The difference between one and two and three, let's say, was pretty different and now we've they've they've gotten to a point where it's so refined it's so good um that i don't you know i don't care about a slightly better camera i don't care about the the slightly better things and it's not only iphones i mean it's 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 across everything um but you know I, i i that's what i feel is it's just you know we've the things the improvements and changes are incremental now they're they're not they're 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 not revolutionary. It's very much evolutionary, and but but incrementally evolutionary.
3: Yeah, well, and it's a forced evolution because um, you know combined with consumer apathy is the fact that you know my my wife still broadly uses an iPhone six, and it works perfectly for her. And if it if they didn't force her into upgrades that she can't do anymore because of whatever reason, forced obsolescence, yeah. it'd be the phone for the rest of her life does everything she needs it to so you know it's it's a it's an attrition market now now it's all about you know replacement phones not new exciting anything and that's that's an unfortunate business model to to have
1: right but 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 it's 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 not just apple that's suffering for this i mean it's kind of across the entire consumer electronics business isn't it
3: Absolutely, um, and that's a result of of many factors. The most of which is this digital convergence that happened over the past, you know, decade and a half, where, you know, you used to have a music player, you used to have a camcorder, you used to have a camera, you used to have all these things. Now, now it's all in your pocket. It's one device. So, I mean, this is and this is far-reaching. This is making wristwatches obsolescent. Um, uh, and and also, you know, music players, any of these other things, uh, are gone. So not only do you have one device, y- you don't even care about it as a consumer that much.
1: Right? Yeah, you're, you you lose kind of the passion for it, and that's and that's it's a scary thing for a company to to recognize. And on that note, we do need to take a com- quick commercial break. You are listening to Pop Tech Radio. You listen to me, Mike Escher, and my good friend Todd Metlin. And we are talking design and the departure of Johnny Ive and Apple and what's heading down the highways. So stick around because we are coming right back. PopTech Radio, Mike Edshard, my good friend Todd Met. He's a award-winning product designer and a design consultant. And we are talking about the departure of Johnny Ive and product design in general and some of the challenges that a lot of these companies have in terms of keeping their fan base. Now, Todd, would you agree with me that Apple, even still today, probably has the still the most devoted consumer base of any other product out there?
3: Oh, without a doubt. Um, I mean... And they've done a very good job of anchoring that with a consistent brand expression that you know what you're gonna get. And once you've gotten into that ecosystem, then it's really not only difficult but unpleasant to get out of it. And <laughs> the, the good news right, the good news is though, <laughs> it lives up to its promise. If you embrace that brand and everything it offers, it's pretty nice and it's easy to be an Apple fan, once you're stuck. And now Johnny
1: is leaving the company, but he's basically starting his own design firm, an, an external mm-hmm. third party company, and Apple's the first client. It's not like we're going to see him go away. Apple will still continue to make some wonderful tactile hardware products, but as they move to service oriented offerings, it'll be interesting to see how, with less and less product kind of coming out, how they maintain that. Brand loyalty and brand identity with things that are more service
3: oriented. Yeah, it's hard to know where everybody's going to go after this. It's something I think about all the time. What is this company going to become?
1: Yeah, of course. You know, we're we're seeing that they're going to launch a um, a subscription TV service later on in the year, and Apple Music's. I think, at least in the U.S., Apple Music has surpassed uh, Spotify. So, you know, these offerings are going to become more and more part of their offerings, I suppose. But if you are Samsung, or if you are LG, all of these companies, you know, on the break, we were talking about price. And at some point, how hard is it to maintain that kind of premium product philosophy in a company at a time when consumers are just not that interested or certainly not brand loyal?
3: Right, and bargain shopping at the same time. Right. Um, I, I think it's difficult. You have to obviously take the high road, and price erosion is one of the biggest dangers. I mean, basically, they've managed to hold on uh, through creative financing. In you know, combination with the carriers like AT&T and others, they'll, they'll make it pretty painless to buy a $1,000 phone. Um, and so they've been able to hold on that way uh, by just breaking it up into interest repayments for people. But even that gets burdensome. And over time, because of the fact that the phone does everything you need it to do, uh, more and more people are more likely to just, once that payment plan is expired, they'll hold on to the phone for another two or three years. Why wouldn't they?
1: Yeah, we work in this industry. We love gadgets, but I find myself more and more just like kind of go, hmm, yeah, it's it's interesting, and yeah, all things being equal, I guess it'd be cool if I had the latest one, but I certainly don't need it, and I don't have the enthusiasm like I used to have for new product.
3: And you're not alone. And like you say, we're in the industry. Yeah, exactly. so if we're bored, imagine the customers, the real customers, right?
1: And it's not really anybody's fault, is it? It's it's just kind of the way these categories, these products, mature. And at some point, you can only do so much innovation. And again, it becomes just evolutionary, not revolutionary. And it's just the way it is, right? It's just a maturing business.
3: Exactly right. Now it's time for the new frontier and the new wave of products and technology and relevance in people's lives. And that (laughs) that is a question that keeps people in this industry up at night. Which is in five years? Who are we and what are we doing? What's new and exciting? Hard to say.
1: Well, and and we've seen, you know, the road is littered with companies that went from the highest highs to the lowest lows in absolutely shocking. I've, I've worked for them. <laughs> we've all worked for them. <laughs> it's like it is. It is pretty crazy how it just can vanish. Those those companies we mentioned: Nokia, BlackBerry. They were as popular and as relevant in the culture as you could imagine. And yet, in the span of, in some cases, like, boy, 18 months, maybe two years, the wheels fell off the bus and they were just skidding down the highway out of control. And it was just, and boom, they were gone. I, I don't remember a time in history where things could crash that fast.
3: Yeah, well, it goes to show you how powerful um, popular culture and fads are and, and in this world of, of consumer electronics and consumer products. If it's not hot and happening and now, it, it will fade to irrelevance uh, almost instantly. And, and that's even more uh, pronounced now because of social media and other ways that people are communicating. So now these ideas go global in an instant. And if something is not cool and popular, it dies, and it dies fast. Um, it's amazing to watch
1: it well it's it's frightening to watch and, and 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 I'm sure you get you know you work with a lot of different companies, and that I means, like you said that most people just get tied up in knots. It is such a crazy business to be getting into now when you're talking of, of launching a new product. Um, and you don't have much time you got to jump and jump fast and hope for things just aligning in the universe that sometimes you don't have control over at all.
3: right absolutely.
1: <laughs> and you gotta give them that news with a with a with a new design of something.
3: So Well uh, yeah, I usually give them my invoice first. <laughs> then I give them that bad news. That's right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and then you wait for payment, then you give them <laughs> right. you go, that note, we do then you take a quick commercial break. We're talking with my good friend Todd that We are talking product design, we are talking consumer electronics and the changing face of all of those. So we got more when we come back. You are listening to Pop Deck Radio.
2: Kia Soul, what started as an icon, has evolved into a whole new species. The Soul X line specializes in adventure with a nasty case of restless car syndrome. The high-minded Soul EX is dressed up and kitted out with more tech than we can mention here. And the Soul GT Line Turbo is a true apex predator with a turbocharged drive to defy. The new species of Soul, the 2020 Soul, give it everything.
1: are back, Mike Etchart, my good friend Todd Metlin, product designer extraordinaire, award-winning product designer and design consultant. And, you know, Todd, as I'm looking kind of at the list of, of, all, of the, all of the great products that Johnny has worked on, you've got the iMac, you've got the iPhone, you've got the MacBook Pro, you've got all of these things. His last kind of thing was working on the new building in Apple. Which is pretty amazing. Apple, the Apple Park campus. I don't recall too many product designers jumping into, or maybe they do, jumping into architecture as kind of a last project up there. Basically, he touched just about everything in that company, didn't
3: he? Absolutely, and and I think that you know I often refer to. If people aren't clear what I um, do for work, I do. Refer to it in terms that people understand, which is an architect, an architect of, of products, because people can get wrap their head around what an architect does, and it is the same thing. We're building boxes and putting pieces together, and and trying to embrace you know a design philosophy and an experience a user experience that, that emerges from it. So it is very architectural. I think the the way you don't see it happen very often it is is because um, people aren't given the opportunity until they achieve a level of celebrity where it actually means something. I mean, people who've crossed over successfully, like Philippe Stark, um, had a lot of renown and notoriety prior to that happening. Otherwise, you're just never really given the chance.
1: Yeah, interesting. Well, and one of the things, you know, having worked together, actually, I worked with you at your company for a bit. And one of the things I was, you you become aware when you're involved in, in, in product design that, you know, it's kind of a it, it's it's uh, and you you alluded to this earlier at the show too. It's kind of a, a give and take between the engineering people and the design people, um, and and in many companies the engineering guys or gals have the leg up in terms of them carrying the day, and sometimes it's at Apple clearly it's the design, but at Apple it seems like the design in this case, Donnie Ive, he basically is the final say in a way that is not ever really at any other consumer electronics company
3: absolutely yeah i think it he he is the ultimate filter he is uh it's going through him or it's not going
1: right right and i can't think of another company that really is able to pull that off and he had the final say i wonder if we'll ever see that again at a company
3: it does make you wonder. I, I think, again, you know, he was in the right place at the right time. He was, when did he join Apple? It was like 92 or something, early 90s. Yeah. And, so. and that, that company was, you know, in the dumps then. And Steve Jobs wasn't even around. Um, he had been fired. He was truly there at the beginning and became Apple. And Apple became him. And he was just fortunate, like I say, that he, he that he aligned himself so perfectly with Steve Jobs and his overall philosophy, that this all unfolded the way it did. I can imagine it going differently, easily. And I think that's how it goes in most places: is that um, there isn't that alignment, there isn't the the artistic license and freedom given. And it's designed by committee, and you get shoved into a box that you don't necessarily think is the right direction, and you have no choice. And this is this is the world that designers, unfortunately, have to live in most of the time. That's most why I'm a consultant. <laughs>
1: That's right. Because you don't want to listen to that day in and day out. Wow. Yeah. And it's so frustrating when... when um, when you get pushback, and again, the, the, and, and you know, we see the design by committee in the movie business and the music business, and you know, it's in every business, uh, and it rarely works out. Um, but it's rare that we see that. But we all know design, uh, or it's on the top of many people's minds because of Johnny Ive. And I suppose we should uh, we should at least recognize that that's a good thing that people think about that now in a way they didn't before.
3: Absolutely. I think, I think we all owe the guy a debt of gratitude.
1: Yes. So let's, let's toast him, Todd, tonight. What do you say?
3: <laughs> uh, t- sign me up.
1: <laughs> all right. There you go. And on that note, we do need to wrap up this edition of Pop Tech Radio. I do wanna, Todd, thanks for coming on. It's great to have you on. And we got to do this again.
3: Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, anytime. I'd love to be on your show.
1: Excellent. 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 All right. And on that note, do we, we do want to say uh, mention that, of course, we are podcasts, so we uh, you can go back to wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple iTunes, where I get mine, and uh, you can go back and revisit some old episodes if there was some stuff you didn't maybe get the first time. We are there, and we are also syndicated uh, throughout this wonderful country of ours through Radio America, so big thanks to uh, Mike Paradiso and Jenny Didas and the great friends up at Radio America I also want to thank Cody Castleberry he is my producer and engineer and keeper of all things organized and without him this show would not happen so big thanks to Cody and folks thanks for listening in this week we hope you had a wonderful time and we will be back next time so come and join us then this has been Pop Tech Radio we'll see you next time
2: The big news from Subaru is the 3-Row Ascent. It's the biggest SUV from Subaru ever. There's room for seven or eight passengers with a choice of second-row captain's chairs or bench seating. It'll tow up to 5,000 pounds. It has interior space you need for your whole crew. And it gets you where you want to go with the safety of a Subaru, including standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. The 3-Row Subaru Ascent love is now bigger than ever. Maximum towing capacity varies by trim level and trailer brakes may be required. See your retailer for details.